All right, what's cracking, everybody? Happy Wednesday, 5-26-21, p.m. Out here in my room, uh, Park Ridge, Illinois. And yes, I'm here to talk about the reverse repo, what's going on, you know, what is my opinion? And, you know, what are the implications of the market? What does this mean? And so first things first, I want to break it down. I want to talk about QE, the backdrop. Look into the market action right now because it's pretty, pretty plain, pretty boring. But, you know, first things first, because, you know, I'm going to talk about the reverse repo. I'll give two scenarios that I think are possible, you know, but it's not financial advice, not a prediction. You know, I'm just saying what I think might happen. Well, I guess it is a prediction, but like I'm not telling anyone to trade about this or anything like that. It's my personal prediction. This is my podcast. I'm just ranting about it because I like to do it. So, uh, you know, without further ado, let me do a disclaimer because I guess I have to. But uh, I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. I'm not buying or selling any investments. Not recommending any investments. Have your investments subject to potential risk, potential loss, you know, potential loss, potential profit. Everything's risky. Always do your homework. You know, again, I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Always do your homework. And uh, I'm a student who just loves the markets and like to talk about it. So, um, without further ado, let's talk about the market. So, you know, what happened today? There no act. There's no action. Okay, freaking. Um, you know, vol. You know, Dow Jones flat three basis points on the day. S and P flat on the day. I mean, you look at the week. You look at the past month. Like it's been relatively boring past month. No movement at all on this S and P. Dow Jones pretty much no movement on the past month. Um, VIX down seven percent, but but the markets you know flat. Uh, okay, interesting. VIX at seventeen thirty six. Gold's at fifteen uh, down fifteen basis points. XLF, big banks, they're up 29 basis points, but you know, pretty much no movement. TLT flat on the day at 17 basis points. GLD flat, silver down 1%. You know, pretty, pretty boring day. Okay, um, you know, I think Bitcoin is flat. Riot blockchain's up 9%, but you know, Bitcoin on the day is pretty flat. JO coffee pumping right now because, you know, there's a bunch of problems in Brazil and, uh, Colombia with their, you know, coffee harvest and all that. So constraint on coffee, price is going to go up. You know, Americans, we need our coffee. GameStop, AMC, they're getting squeezed yet again, up 15%. AMC up 19%. GME is now at 242.56. AMC at 19.56. So long for holding AMC from 9 to 12. Um, you know, if I held on to my GME at 239, <laughs> I'd be finally in the green again. Jim Cramer today comes out and goes, don't short GameStop or AMC after he tells everyone never to buy it. So, like, what, man? What are you saying? Yeah, I'm not here to. I'm not here to get on CNBC's butt. I'm not here to get on the Kramer's butt. I want to touch AMC or GameStop and you know put my money there. But uh, you know it's always hilarious and fun to watch the squeeze play out. The dollar today was stronger. Corporate bonds, you know, investment grade flat, down five basis points. High high yield bonds. Uh, up three basis points, you know, no movement. NASDAQ up 59 basis points. And Russell 2K is getting squeezed over here. Well, I read an article that said they're getting squeezed, so that's why I said that. And up 1.97%. Well, everything else is down. Very, very, very interesting. Um, 10-year yield, we're at one spot, 5.74. We opened at one five, spot, 5.76. And we're up uh, 64 basis points. You look at this chart, though. We want, you know... Pretty big uh, rise in yield. You know, we went from 155 to 158. Uh, you know, pretty much right when this reverse repo announcement takes place. Yield's going up. Huh. Interesting. Uh, then, yeah, you know, five-year yield uh, fl- up 52 basis points. You know, 
big move after this whole you know reverse repo announcement. Seven seven to seven nine, uh, spot seven nine spot seven spot seven seven spot seven nine. Thirty year yield goes from two spot four two, uh, two spot two four. Sorry, two spot two seven. Um, after this reverse repo announcement, you know we're flat on the day. Interesting there. And so, you know, the market's quite boring. So that's not what I'm here to talk to you about, okay? Talk about the Bill Hoang socks, do all that. But I really said on Monday that I want to take my time and address the reverse repo situation. What's going on there? I mean, I've been talking about the reverse repos on this podcast for a while. And I never really took the time to see, okay, why is this, like, is, is, is this news? Is this a big deal? And... You know, when he, I thought it was a big deal when he went from reverse repo and practically nothing to $134 billion right after Archegos. Or you could say we reverse repo the most when the SLR was extended. Uh, exemption was, was cut off, okay? Um, and I, that's caught my eye. But it really caught my eye when I was in Colorado last week. And we reverse reboed over $200 billion in treasuries. And then I check on Monday, and we reverse repoed $394 billion in treasuries. I'm like, okay, cool. And then Tuesday, we reverse repo $432 billion with 48 counterparties. And then on today, which is Wednesday, we reverse repoed $450 billion, up $17 billion from the day before, with 46 counterparties. And that makes me go, okay, why is this happening? And so you go, okay, Max, well, what is a reverse repo? Well, reverse repo is a way for the central bank to take money off of banks' balance sheet, take take cash, take cash assets, uh, deposits, um, bank reserves, which are liabilities of the bank, and exchange it for treasuries. Uh, it was a swap of that, it's a swap of asset, it's a swap of it. So Fed, give the bank treasuries. And then in, in response, the bank gives the uh, Federal Reserve bank reserves, okay? And then you go, okay, so isn't that kind of a form of quantitative tightening? And my answer is yes. Yes, it is. Okay. But I thought we're doing quantitative easing, Max. I thought we're doing $80 billion purchases of mortgage-backed securities and uh, – sorry, 80, $80 billion mortgage-backed – sorry, $40 billion mortgage-backed securities, $80 billion treasuries each month uh, – and then 80 billion treasuries for a total of 120 billion quantitative easing each month with the Fed. Oh yeah, that's what we're doing. So what's quantitative easing? Quantitative easing is is the banks sell their treasuries to the Fed in exchange for bank reserves. Okay, so you know treasuries are assets of the bank, um, and bank reserves liabilities. Bank reserves deposits. Okay, and so there is it's a massive asset swap. But you think, okay, well, you're doing $120 billion a QE, right? But then why are you doing the reverse repo? Isn't it the exact opposite of QE? Yes. Yes, it is. And so you go, well, why would you do a reverse repo? And so there's two reasons, okay, that I've come up with and I've come up and that I see. And one is there's a lack of pristine collateral i.e. treasuries, because why do the banks need these treasuries? Because the banks take the treasuries, and you know they can turn them into derivatives, and they can go take these derivatives and make financial instruments out of them, and you know find a way to make these treasuries yield a bunch, uh, and make money off of them, okay? And so there's a lack of you know pr- like legit collateral 
because you know a lot of these treasuries get passed around from bank to bank to bank to bank, and no one knows who really owns it. So we need a nice pristine collateral from the Fed, okay? Or there's too much reserves, too much bank reserves in the banking system, too much liquidity. And as I've talked about many times in this podcast, uh, if this treasury thing loads, is the short end of the curve. Let's talk uh, over the past year has gone pretty much on the one month bill from nine basis points to zero today, to zero. You go look at the one year yield spot from 10 basis points. Now we're down to about, what is it? To four basis points. And you're like, okay, Max, well, what's the long end of the curve doing? Well, long end of the curve, 30 year yields. And these are all like not real rates. goes from one spot, six, six, to one spot two two one spot two seven sorry two spot two seven two spot so long ends going up short ends going down you're like well what's up with that you know the Fed's supposed to keep rates near zero but they're actually going a lot lot lower and why is this happening because there's so much cash so much demand for cash out there in the system and I'm like huh that's really really weird so what happens. Okay, well, I just got a text, and every time I get a text when I'm doing a podcast, it really freaking throws me off. Like, I don't care if, about Playboy Cardi's song right now. I'm trying to do a podcast on the reverse repo market, okay? There's two scenarios I see playing out here, okay? And so I'm like, huh, interest rates keep going lower, 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 lower. What happens when they go negative? You know, back when Trump was president, he'd always go, we need to have lower ne- uh, rates, and, you know, if Powell doesn't make him negative, I'm going to fire him, right? That's what Trump would say. And it's pretty freaking funny. And Powell goes, well, like, I don't think the U.S. market can handle negative rates. But I thought Japan can do it. You know, EU can do it. What's so bad about the U.S.? Well, you know, the whole world's financial system is based pretty much on the U.S. You know, the U.S. What's who's the world reserve currency? The U.S. dollar. You know, who can... Sorry, the U.S. dollar is a world reserve currency, you know. The Fed pretty much controls everything around the world in the, in the matters of banking, okay? Pretty much, okay? And, like, you can you can argue that, but, you know, the whole world is based off of the U.S. dollar, you know. In order, like, in, you know, in treasuries. Treasuries are backed in full faith and credit by the U.S. government, and it's pretty much a risk-free bet. Used to be, I think, you know, and it's changing now. And, you know, we can go look at uh, commercial paper, you know, the rate on commercial paper, uh... Okay, so you go look at the uh, three-month rate on commercial paper a year ago. It was 62 basis points, and now we're at spot one nine. Okay, um, you go look at... <laughs> so, so it fell quite a bit, right? You know, we're at the 52-week low. Commercial paper is... There's so much demand for it. There's, you know, people... There's so much of it in the system because of all this quantitative easing. Fed filling up banks' reserves... The rate is going a very well. This is how I see it, at least. So the rate's going, getting compressed, going way, way, way down. And the Fed sees this as an issue. Oh my gosh, the rate on commercial paper may go negative. And what does quantitative easing do? And people, Peter Schiff talks about this. People go, they're printing money. And I've said it on my, the podcast before they're printing money, which is 100% true. They're printing money. And what are they doing with that money? They're putting money, that money, they're buying treasuries, and those the treasuries get put on the banks and the Fed's balance sheet. Their assets have gone up through the roof, and then they 
fill the bank with liabilities in the form of bank reserves, okay? Because what are assets of the bank? Loans. Consumer lo loans are, li are, are assets of the bank. And deposits, bank reserves, are liabilities. So they're filling up the bank with c cash uh, deposits, okay? But, and what does this do? People go, oh my gosh, you're printing money on uh, inflation, inflation, inflation. And what have I said in the podcast? It's a liquidity trap. You're trapping the money in the banking system. All right, so cool. We can print money and, you know, ease, ease credit conditions. That's awesome. But what it started to do is send the short end of the curve down. You know, we're supposed to have, you know, interest rates flat at zero. Well, from zero to about two, five, right? That little range. But in turn, you know, the demand for commercial paper, the rate on commercial paper is going down, 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 down. And you go... Okay, well, you know, why, and so why is the Fed, you know, reverse repoing? Well, one thing I want to note, take note on is when I, I made it, when I was doing my podcast back in March, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we just hit one basis point on the 16th here, okay, uh, on March 16th. What did the Fed start doing then? You know, they started implementing their reverse repo purchases around this time. March 16th, March 17th, there are zero reverse repos. Then on March 18th, you get 26 billion with 25 counterparties. What does reverse repo do? You take treasuries, you put them on the bank's balance sheet, and you swap them for liabilities. You swap them for bank reserves. You take the liabilities off the bank's balance sheet because they can't handle all those excess reserves. You know, too much excess reserves, you'll start getting negative rates. And when you get negative rates, the banks will charge you to hold your money. Okay, they'll charge you to hold your money. And some will be like, well, then why would I want to have my money in a bank? I'm going to go withdraw it. But then that money, that commercial paper, that cash, those bank reserves are leaving the banking system. And where do they go? In the hands of the people, in the hands of the real economy. Well, that is, that is, that is where you get Weimar Germany, where you get people wheeling all this cash around because they can't put it in the bank. That's one way I see it. And so what will that lead to? This is scenario one. Hyperinflation. You know, it's just the most basic definition of it. The dollar will become so devalued because there's, instead of this all this cash, all this, slot, all this money sloshing around in the banking system, which is no problem because it's not going out into the real economy like stimmy checks. You know, stimmy checks, that's like, you know, direct inflation, okay? You know, direct injection in the economy. Bang, 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 bang. But QE is direct injection into the banks, into the banking system, not into the real economy. So, bang, bang. But these reverse repos are trying to take liquidity out of the banking system. And so it's just an overnight swap. It's like a shuffle of paper. So the Fed, at the same time as they're doing these crazy reverse repos, are doing QE, printing money to buy bank reserves in exchange for treasuries. Well, to, all right, to buy treasuries in exchange for bank reserves, okay? So, what does this mean? What does hyperinflation ensue? Well, sorry, okay. Step back, step back, step back. Um, so, if you see what I mean, it's, it's a very, like, why are you doing quantitative easing? Why are you doing this quantitative easing? Well, you're doing it to ensure, to, to promote people to go take risk and go risk on, I want to invest in stocks because the Fed has my back. They're easing credit conditions. That's awesome. 
You know, that's why the market's gone through the roof this year and over the past year. Well, then why are they not tapering? Why are they using this reverse repo to try to suck some liquidity out of the market and force and make sure the short end of the curve does not go negative? You know, the the reverse repo rate is zero. So no one's making any money. They're just sucking cash out of the banks, swapping it for treasuries. So that way they can, you know, put a floor on rates. You know, they don't want rates to go below zero because then this money will start to leave the banking system, you know. And I always would go, you know, I was like, Michael, last week I go, Michael Burry's wrong. Michael Burry's wrong, you know, um... People who are who, who who think that yields are in a skyrocket are wrong because the end game is not now. Well, yeah, okay, true. Well, it changes a bit when you go from you know oh, last Monday repoing two hundred billion in treasuries, reverse repoing with uh, how many counterparties was it last week? Sorry, let me find this. I just want to get the right number for you. Thirty-eight counterparties to four hundred fifty billion in treasuries with 46 counterparties okay you look at this uh, the reverse repo action in the month of may it's gone through the roof you look at rates over the month of may let's see so our rates went we started the month at two bips then we hit zero bips on the 13th and what was the reverse repo on the 13th let's find out reverse repo on the 13th was uh Reverse repo, 235 billion to 36 counterparties. The next day, 241 billion to 34 counterparties. The next day, 208 billion to 38 counterparties. The next day, 243 billion to 36 counterparties. Oh, the next day, 293 billion to 43 counterparties. Oh, wait, the next day, 351 billion to 48 counterparties. Oh, wait, the next day, 369 billion to 52 counterparties. Oh, wait, the next day, 394 billion to 54 counterparties. You go pull up. You know, these reverse repo actions, reverse repo operations by the bank. And, you know, these are the highest ever we've ever had. You know, these it's just, the reverse repo operator is just going parabolic right now. And, yes, you look at the chart. When was the last time it spiked? Oh, wait, end of March. When did we start doing QE? End of March. You know, and to try to save the financial system. Fed starts doing QE, stocks go through the roof. We reverse repo a bunch of this because, you know, there's a excess liquidity, so much liquidity in the system. You know, we got to kind of suck it out, but no one even realized because we're in, you know, this crisis panic mode, okay? And so I go, people go, okay, how is QE, how is QE uh, a trap, a liquidity trap? You know, how does it trap stuff in the bank reserves? And this is where you got to take all sides of the view. You got to look at Stephen Van Meter, you got to look at, Peter Schiff, you gotta look at Dalio, you gotta look at Burry, and you gotta connect all the dots. So you go, okay, well, you look at, if you look at M2 Velocity, 2008, when we started QE in like, get it in, in Q4 2008, uh, well, yeah, call it Q4, we'll call it Q4, I mean, you could call it Q3, Q4, we'll call it Q4 to make the numbers nice. So the money velocity, which is, you know, money exchanging hands in the banking system, um, you know, um, sorry, I have this fried rice in my mouth and it tastes pretty good. It's not in the back of it. Anyway, that's kind of gross, but you go from one spot eight on the money velocity, um, to one spot 
four. So money velocity is dropping. And if you pull up the chart, like the chart is a lot more ugly. Okay. And this is in a ratio form. And we start, t and then this is goes into Q2 2017. And if you go pull up like when we started tapering and tapering our asset purchases and, and the Fed is in we, this happened in Q2 2017. What does money velocity do? Money velocity actually starts to go up because, you know, this money is starting to leave the banks. Okay. And, you know, what was happening during this time? The Fed was raising rates because inflation was coming back because this money was leaving the banking system. And they go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is going to cause, you know, a lot of problems. You know, if inflation might be able, might be getting out of hand. So what do they do? They stop raising rates in 2019 and they actually start cutting because growth is slowing down because inflation's high <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, and there's a taper tantrum in the, in the treasury market. Stocks sell off uh, the last hike and Powell goes, we'll not raise rates any longer anymore, okay? And then money velocity starts to go off a cliff. You get Q1 2020, Fed announces QE again. We go from one spot three nine to one spot one oh, and we're at one spot one two three right now. And so my point with this money velocity is it goes to show you QE does not increase money velocity. But what happened and, and, and that's okay, you go, okay, well that well then that just proves you that QE is not inflationary, it's deflationary, okay? If the money velocity is going up, then you're getting inflation, too much money exchanging hands in the economy. And what if I always said, I go, once I see money velocity start to go up, inflation will be here. And when all this money starts to leave the banking system, it'll be crazy hyperinflationary. Well, reverse repoing is pretty much quantitative tightening without saying quantitative tightening. And the Fed can't stop QE because they have to monetize the debt. Okay, and as I've said on this podcast over and 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 over, this is the Fed's trap. They can't do anything. Okay, and so what they're trying to do to force to prevent rates from going negative because that will cause a complete that'll cause you know all this money to start leaving the banks, leaving the financial system into the economy, into people's hands, causing a causing a collapse of the dollar, causing Fed to possibly lose control of the yield curve, you know, that is what they're trying to prevent. And that's what you're seeing with all these reverse repo operations, okay? That is why we're at all-time highs here. And that's why I think the Fed doesn't really have a choice. They filled up all this money with all, the, all these banks with cash, deposits, bank reserves, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same. I'm filling them up with that. But the banks need they need somewhere to park this so that's why they're do, using this reverse repo operation because they have too much reserves and a lot of people go okay and so that's that's the first scenario hyperinflation and what does that lead to and i have i have some numbers to back this that this thought up too so you look at interest rate swaps what's the interest rate swap you know it's a bet on like what you think interest rates are going to do and you know we all know interest rates are pretty low but you go look at the you know, one week swaps, you know, week prior versus today, and we'll go from, well, I'll go from the top. So we go look at the one week, one year uh, interest rate swap. We're at spot nine, nine, we're at one now. You go look at the two year, we're a week prior at 106, now we're at one spot one. Three year, we're at one spot one, three, now you're at one spot one, nine, okay? You look at the four year, we're at one spot two, oh, one spot two, eight. 
five year, one spot two seven, one spot three six. One week, uh, sorry, seven year, one spot four one, one spot five two. Ten year, one spot five eight, one spot seven one. Thirty year, one spot nine three, two spot oh seven. What does this show you? It shows you that people are betting that interest rates are about to go higher in the swap market, in the derivative market. People are saying, yeah, we think interest rates are about to go a lot higher right now. Okay. And I was a long, I was a TLT bull. I've since cut that. I'm not telling anyone to do the same thing. I'm no longer bullish on TLT. Sure. Rates could go negative and that may be bullish for TLT, but no one's actually going to want to hold TLT. Because if it goes negative, then you're getting, if you hold your 20 year treasury bond to maturity, it'll give you a negative return. And it's, why, why would I want to do that? There's no gain for me. So no bid. I don't, no one will want to buy a treasury. What does that cause the yield to do? Skyrocket parabolic. Okay. Fed lost control. Then the dollar crashes. Hyperinflation ensues. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's scenario one. And so that's that's if you believe, you know, there's too much liquidity, too much collateral in the system, which I truly believe. I think the numbers go to back it up. And I think the fact that the Fed's doing QB while reverse repoing is, is showing you this. And I've been trying to wrap my head around this for, it took me like a day. I'm like, okay, that that's one reason hyperinflation do is complete deleveraging of the financial system because there's not enough pristine collateral okay you know why did lehman brothers in 2008 go go under why did they, why they go why they why they lose it well because they were you know trading all this toxic sludge mortgage-backed securities but they didn't have any collateral to back it up with okay and you know, the, the, the market started going absolutely bonkers back in 2008 because there was no collateral, no pristine collateral. And so the Fed started doing it. Well, and if you look at like reverse repos back in 2008, the Fed was actually reverse repoing treasuries to give to the banks. And this happens in October of 2008, the heart of the financial crisis. Um, go from reverse repoing 43 bill to about, you know, 100, 100 bill within a month. You know, so we could give the banks this collateral that they need so they can fix their mess that they made. Okay? And that's, you know, deflationary to the max. You know, treasury bonds will spike at first and then collapse. Um, but, and what will that cause? That'll just cause everything to delever, you know. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's like an Archigo situation. <laughs> um, you know, we we need this collateral to back up the mistakes we made. You know, we made a lot of mistakes here in the market. So the Fed's saying, here, 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 take all this tre- these treasuries, try to put it where you can, and you're gonna fix it all. And some people aren't gonna be able to do that, and people will bust and go under. So the way I see it, and that that's likely. You know, there's people who say, oh my gosh, there's a crazy shortage of collateral, uh, pristine collateral out there. That's you know, just great financial crisis on steroids. If that's really what's going on. And, you know, these banks that have been doing all these crazy loans, uh, investment banking decisions, going out, yada, 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 you know, credit, quantitative easing is expanding credit, making people take more on more risk, and it's encouraging risk. We've taken on, we've taken on too much, so much crazy risk that there's, so, there's a, we need this pristine collateral to back it up because all this collateral that we've been playing around with is actually all rehypothecated treasuries. We have no idea who the heck owns it because we have some counterparty risk in there. Now, do I think that's likely? <sighs> eh, not as likely as the first operate, not as likely as the first one, okay? 
But it is it is a possibility that you just have a shortage of pristine collateral and you have all this extra cash the Fed's been giving you. And so you're now here, take this cash. I don't need it. And I real what I really, really, really need is these treasuries. And I'm going to go fix the mess that I've made. And that's what the Fed's trying to do. I don't think that's likely. But a lot of other people do. I tend to go into this, you know, it's the beginning of the end. Inflation is here. It is coming. It's here to stay. Hyperinflation, devaluation of the dollar is here. Get ready. Buckle up. You know, QE, QE, this whole thing. You know, go take on risk, everyone. Invest in the stocks. The wealth effect is legit. You know, Greenspan's wealth effect. You know, if if the stock market goes up, it will benefit everyone. And that's true. You know, it's somewhat true. If you own stocks. But who tends to own stocks? The big boys. And I'm not saying, you know, people who own stocks are evil and bad. Because I love stocks. I own stocks. I think everyone should own stocks. I think you're dumb if you don't. But, you know, some people don't have the same financial knowledge. And don't call me a liberal. Don't call... Oh, actually... Oh, I got... <laughs> don't tell me, like, I'm a snowflake. Because I'm saying, you know, some people don't have education to access to find, like, you know, the stock market. And don't aren't lucky and don't, you know, have this knowledge, you know. You got to read and all this stuff. You know, that's how you get here. But the whole point is, is some people just don't know. So they don't invest. And for whatever reason it is... And they suffer, and the people who are invested, and it'll create you know wealth wealth gaps. And does it really create economic growth? Eh, you can debate it. So the that's why the Fed's trying to prop up stocks, uh, asset prices, you know, prop everything up, encourage risk taking because people are so shocked from this. It all stems back to you know two thousand eight, trying to encourage risk taking, and so they're filling up banks with cash, easing conditions, but they're easing conditions. Because they're so bad in the first place. Well, you're throwing fuel at the fire, my friends. You almost lost control of the rate, the 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 yield curve back in 2020, and you're about to do the same thing now. You're about to do the same thing now. I think hyperinflation is likely. I think that's that's the more likely scenario. But there could just be a shortage of collateral, and the banks are trying to fix that. Um. So that is what I see ensuing playing out uh, in the treasury market, and uh, it, it, with all this these reverse repos, that's what I truly think. And so, what does that mean? Dollar's gonna plummet. So, what does that mean? Commodity go long commodities, long gold, and I'm I mean gold physical, silver, long silver. I mean physical. I mean well, you know my other positions. I've just been short the market out of there. Um, you know I I, I flip TLT. And I actually bought leverage short treasury bonds. I'll be holding on to this. I don't care if like the daily leverage screws me over because uh, I want to take, take on some risk. And uh, yeah, I'm fighting the Fed. I'm fighting the Fed big time. People will call me stupid, but uh, I think I cracked the code. And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's right. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But uh, there's two scenarios, and I think this scenario is a lot more likely. I mean, you go look at the real rates today. Five-year real rate drop, jump four basis points from negative spot eight four to negative spot eight zero. Oh. Seven-year jump three basis points from negative spot three zero oh, negative spot two seven. Ten-year jump from negative spot eight six negative spot eight two. Twenty-year from negative spot two nine or negative spot two six. Thirty-year from negative spot oh five negative spot oh three. Everything's going up. Well, the nominal rates, you know, kind of flat today. You know, real rates negative, kind of flat. You look at the short end of the curve. You know, the two-month rate bill went zero. What happens when they go negative? People 
will want to withdraw their money. Don't forget, the money supply has increased 25% year over year. Enough said. What happens when it leaves the banking system? What happens when rates go negative? What can the Fed do? What can they do? That's my question I asked to you. Please feel free to like hit me up. Let me know what you guys think of this podcast. I mean, I think those are the two scenarios. A lot of people disagree. You go online, everyone says a different thing. No one knows what's going to happen. It's uh, unprecedented, okay? We are witnessing history right now. GFC 2.0 is upon us. Get ready. Protect your dollars. Not financial advice. What am I doing? Hitting Archie's gold and silver tomorrow. I need to protect my dollars. I do not want to get wiped out by hyperinflation. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.